Welcome to Scenario D, the podcast that takes you behind the magic by giving you the facts and a whole lot of feelings. I'm Curbs. And I'm Lish. And this week, we're looking at some of Disney World's most beloved princess attractions in an effort to end an age-old debate once and for all. Shows or rides? <clears throat> well, you already know where I stand. Maybe, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to bring you to my side. Okay, Lish. It is time for us to talk about something I have been passionate about since long before I was a character performer, long before we went to Disney World mm-hmm. together, and that is Princess Shows. Now, Oof. I know that you don't love a show. There, there are some things that I have to do every time I'm at Disney World that I know give you an aneurysm. The biggest one being the Beauty and the Beast stage show. I know you don't like it. It hurts me. I know you hate it. It's so bad. I don't agree whatsoever, but that's partly why we're going to talk about it today. Because as we mentioned last week, we're not quite done with the princesses. We're not willing to let them go. We'd like to discuss their presence in the parks. And as a disclaimer, once again, we will be focusing on Disney World because that's where we've been. And if you're Lish, that's all you care about visiting. All I care about. Yes. It's all she cares about. And all I care about right now is talking about the merits of some of these princess shows or entertainment, Mm -hmm. if you will, within Disney World. So as someone who was a character performer for two and a half glorious months, I obviously have a very special place in my heart for Disney entertainment. When they laid off like thousands and thousands of entertainment cast members last year as part of the pandemic, it like broke my heart. It was so upsetting to me because I know how amazing it is to do that job. But I also know from personal experience as a guest, how wonderful it is to experience those things when you're at the park. And to me, Disney entertainment is what makes the parks such an incredible experience. I will say it's like, it's what sets it apart from every other theme park that has just a lot of roller coasters, right? Yes, it's just It's not absolutely. just about the rides. There's way more going on than just that. Yes. And I think that's one of the things I have always loved most about Disney World. They mm-hmm. have so many different types of experiences outside of that classic meet and greet and dining that yeah. you see at places like Universal. Like yeah. you can go to Universal and meet characters, but you're not getting the not all-encompassing – no, not well. Well, you can meet Shrek, which, according to many people, is a good one. You can meet Shrek. Shrek is Where's Shrek? Shrek is pretty great. Yeah, Shrek, and you can talk to Donkey. It's like outside of that like music roller coaster. Um, oh yeah, because uh, they it's have like that. Right there. Yeah, I yeah. really hate their like show <laughs> attraction thing, so I like never go to that. But this is what I'm talking about. Disney does it better. Totally. Whether it's a parade, whether it's a show, there are just so many parts of Disney entertainment that they do really well. And the princesses obviously are a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. So I want to really quickly run through some of the different attractions versus entertainment so that we can just kind of basically shoot our shot at trying to convince the other that the one is better 
either attractions or entertainment than the others. So if we're looking at, again, Disney World only, we're looking at Disney Mm -hmm. World, which is Hollywood Studios, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, and Epcot, we have only a handful of attractions that Mm -hmm. are princess themed. We have Mine Train, which we talked about last week. I know you love it. We have Enchanted Tales with Belle, which is for those who have never done it. Yeah, it's kind of like an interactive storytelling experience where you start in Maurice's cottage and then move into the Beast's castle and Belle's there, Lumiere's there. They kind of like have kids dress up and whatever. Um, They give you a bookmark after. I'm supposed to be happy about that. I don't really know. Um, We have Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, which you and I both love. And that exists in Disneyland, too, as Ariel's Undersea Adventure. So that's kind of like, it's not, we wouldn't consider that a dark ride, would you? Or is it? Is it a dark ride? It is dark the whole time. What constitutes (laughs) a dark ride? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to go ahead and boldly say it's a dark ride, but you're sitting in the shell, you're hearing the songs, you're going through the different vignettes. Love that. Like you want your... uh you want your glow in the dark like bracelets on for it. So I think that means it's a dark ride. Yeah. You do. They have they have a lot of black lighting yeah. in that one. And I mean, it just really brings everything to life. The animatronics are so much better than we've seen in oh, Magic yeah. Kingdom because it's a newer ride. It mm-hmm. opened in 2012. So I know that's already almost a decade. But I mean, compared to some of the other animatronics that we got going on, like yeah. Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which was in 1992, it's just so much better. Um We have Frozen Ever After, which replaced the Norway Pavilion Flume Ride. So that is kind of like Journey of the Little Mermaid, Mm -hmm. but it's frozen and you have to look at Olaf for longer than you would ever want to. (laughs) And, you know, whatever. We know how I feel about Olaf. We don't need to go into that again. And then finally, we have an upcoming redo of Splash Mountain, which will be Tiana, which I think is going to be so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you love Splash Mountain just as a ride anyway. So this is going to be this is like a so dream many of your favorite things together. Yeah. It I, is a dream come like true. it's my favorite ride and it doesn't even exist yet. It's just yeah. <laughs> Well, technically it exists, but it's going to have a very different face. Yes. Yeah, on for it. sure. Yeah. Cause I don't actually know that much about it. I know I'm showing my Disney World ignorance now. You mm-hmm. and Alex will be offended, <laughs> but I don't really know entirely what this redo is going to encompass. Can you? They tell haven't me? actually released a lot apart from some like initial oh, imaging okay. and just like, oh, it's gonna be like in the bayou. And so, like, they, from to my knowledge, okay. they haven't really given a lot of details. So, you're not, you're not too far behind okay. there. Okay. Yeah. But it's basically giving it a permanent overlay that will be Tiana, Ray, Lewis Naveen yeah. themed. Yes, okay. exactly. Cool. I kind of hope they stick with the like storytelling aspect that Splash Mountain mm-hmm. already has and they just kind of go through like the princess and the frog, like at least the yeah. timing when they're in the bayou that they're frogs mm-hmm. and that whole thing. I'm kind of just hoping they, you know, they they don't overcomplicate it. They just keep it simple, do everything yeah. like, you know, with the updated technology and I'm sure it'll be beautiful. So what do you think the drop will be? If we're doing the story, Princess and the Frog story, what would that climax be? Oh, I haven't actually thought about that. I guess it could be when the friends from the other side are kind of converging on everybody in the graveyard. It could be that. Yeah. Um, True. It's pretty dark. Like, I mean, so is Splash Mountain right now. (laughs) 
Yeah. The Brayers are not exactly like a fun-loving group. Um, the Vultures are pretty sinister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't thought about, yeah, what's the drop? I hope they don't make it some like, yay type drop. Like I kind of like that it's like a dark moment. Mm-hmm. You're literally in the dark and then it shoots you into the sunlight. Like I kind of like that. So I hope they keep that element. But anyway, I digress. So those five or six attractions are what we have in the princess category. And we see that like, Classic princesses, more like, you know, royalty from the very beginning is kind of what we have represented there from like Snow White, Belle, Ariel, and our frozen gals. They're all royalty from more or less birth. I guess Belle technically isn't, but. Do you know what's so interesting? Like, I'm just like looking at your list and it's so small. Like, Mm -hmm. but, but they feel so big in the park because of like all, you know, because of the castles and the meet and greets and like the tangled bathrooms. And it's just like the presence of the princesses in the parks is huge, but the list Mm -hmm. of like things you can actually do is so crazy small. Like I never, never Mm -hmm. realized that. Yes. And that's a great point you bring up. And I think the reason they feel so impactful in the parks is because all those that have an attraction also have an element of entertainment to go Mm -hmm. with it. So whether you're just on their ride and then walking through the parks or whether you're walking through the parks and then going through the ride, you're kind of always being confronted by them. Because if we go through the list of entertainment that has princesses in it, and this is again, outside of meet and greets and dining, you have the festival of fantasy parade, which is just an absolute delight. If I don't see the festival of fantasy when I'm there, it's a wasted trip and I might as well just like call it a day. <laughs> like if it got rained and lightninged out every day that we go, like on our next trip, I it will be ruined. My trip will be <laughs> ruined 100%. Uh, no, I'm not even kidding. Like it will be like, why did I pay $3,000 to come and do all these other things if I couldn't see Festival of Fantasy? So you have Festival of Fantasy where almost every princess has a vignette of some kind, like a float or she's walking around. Sorry, can I just, can I ask, is this the one where Merida's on a horse or is that a different parade? That's a cavalcade. So Merida has a float. So Merida rides the horse when it's like rainy. Okay. (laughs) And they're, and it's like not safe to do the floats. Um, But she has her own float with, um, like thugs and the bears pop because up and I've it's like a giant I've never seen her on the horse but I see that in pictures sometimes and I'm like how do I see Merida on a horse because that looks well awesome. when she got coronated she was on the horse mm. so that was a thing yeah and then like I said it's kind of like special like oh the weather's really touch and go so we're not going to bring out the full three o'clock parade but we are going to have characters walk down main street she's done that gotcha. sometimes And then if there are ever like coronation events, they're more likely to put her on the horse because like Angus is such a huge part of her story and her character. Totally. That they're like, we, we have to bring him out. Um, Great question. Love the cues. Keep them, keep them coming. (laughs) Keep them coming. Uh, Mickey's friendship fair, rest in peace, but not really more like good riddance. It closed last year, but it had Tiana and Rapunzel and it was that castle stage show that replaced dream along with Mickey, which was the perfect show. No, don't. It was horrible. Dream Along was horrible. Is that all what you're saying? All those castle I, daytime oh shows are so We're, we're already getting into the heat of the argument, and I'm not even done laying <laughs> it out for you. And you're already ripping my heart out, stomping on it. I can't. I can't. How are we best friends? I don't understand. <laughs> let's, let's just move on before I get too upset. Next piece of entertainment that's worth mentioning, you and I watched this together when we went in 2015, and it was a horrible experience, a horrible decision. Voyage of the Little Mermaid on Hollywood Studios. it's closed now, right? It's done. 
It's temporarily closed, according to the interwebs. I hope it stays closed forever oh, because I that it was animatronic, yeah, that Ursula was terrifying and disgusting. Like she, she was so gross. This like puppety Ursula with like a real Ariel. It was just so weird. Like it's I love stage shows, but that it was bad. like, but if it was open and we went again, would we go on it? Like probably because we'd want to sit yeah. down and be in air conditioning, and we'd be like, yeah, and no also line. just to like confirm that it's so bad like I feel like I would need to just be like oh yes this is trash it should burn yeah. do you know what I mean that I would need to confirm that I also don't mind the gift shop out front because it just has a bunch of um dingle hoppers mm-hmm. like those big fork brushes yeah. I kind of like those, those I like playing with those yeah up next on my list is, of course, my favorite, the Beauty and the Beast live on stage show, which has been running for now 30 years <laughs> and for good reason, because that show, I love the costumes. Oh I love God. the music. I love Gaston. I love the Beast. I love Gaston. I think Belle's great. Gaston is there. There are a lot of reasons to love this show, including sitting in the audience after everyone else has left at the end, singing at the top of your lungs, Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson's rendition of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, my God. Absolutely enjoyable. 10 out of 10 would recommend to anybody. Did you do Great that experience. when we were there or did I like drag you out and be like, Kurt, no, you let me sit and finish me. the experience. <laughs> no, you, you very graciously let me do this my way. Okay. Uh, you hated every second and you made that clear to me. <laughs> However, you did let me ride it out. So I appreciate that. And then finally, we have, for the first time in forever, a Frozen sing-along celebration, which I believe is in Hollywood Studios. It shares the stage with Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Like, I think that yeah. they alternate. Um, so those shows don't run as frequently as they might have used to if they weren't sharing spaces in the parks. And then, of course, there are a number of other attractions at resorts around the world. Like, Shanghai has that amazing Beauty and the Beast dark ride now, which is very similar to the aerial one mm-hmm. in Fantasyland. There are different parades that have the princesses and all that type of thing. But the point of going through these two lists was to give you a sense of, like, the weight of attractions and entertainment. Disney kind of puts equal you know, wait on both of these parts of their guest experience because they are what people come to them for. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to just like stand and look at the castle. They know that people want to interact with the characters. They know that people want to experience them. And most people come to theme parks either for a show or for a ride. Yeah. So we talked about this in our kind of like under the hood of Scenario D episode, but I think it is worth diving into now the differences in our style of approaching the parks Mm -hmm. because you are very much a rides person. Yes. And I am very much a shows and like entertainment person. And have you always been a rides person? Yes. Yes. I've always okay. been a, like I'm a huge roller coaster fan. I mm-hmm. I like the whole piece of Disney. Like if Disney was just rides, it would not hold the same importance for me. Like you kind of need the whole package. Yes. But it's like mm-hmm. the thought of going to Disney – and not doing at least a couple rides in a day to me is weird. And I know that would be, you know, very acceptable for you. But <laughs> And the way you say that is yeah. so disdainful. Like, that would be acceptable for you. Yeah. No, it's true, though. Like, I, I have always really connected with that old VHS commercial. I've talked about it before. I feel on the podcast, it was on the Pocahontas VHS. It's called wake up call. The girl's swinging her legs on the bed. Goofy calls her hotel room. She goes, it's time to get up. It's goofy. Come on, let's go. And she's like going through the park and meeting all the characters. And then when she meets Mm -hmm. Mickey, she goes, I've waited my whole life to meet you. I was that (laughs) kid. Now, ironically, I was terrified of the characters. When I finally went, when I was 10 years old, I was terrified. All the photos, I'm like eight feet away. 
I'm literally so far away. And again, ironically, the photo of of King Louis, who I was best friends with the summer that I was there, I am standing so far away. I want nothing to do with him. I'm so excited that he's there, but I'm also terrified at the same time because it's like a jungle VIP (laughs) just chilling. Such a conflicted little Curbs. I honestly, Curbs had a lot going on. She was wearing chunky white sneakers. She had a weird haircut, a Manulife fanny pack, and a lot of fear. So she had a lot going on. But the characters, even though they scared me, is kind of what I was there for. Like that to me, when I pictured a Disney World experience, it was meeting the characters. It was not riding the rides. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so fascinating that Disney has been able to take such successful stories and characters and franchises like the princesses and create completely unique entertainment and like like attraction kind of experiences for people who are on opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, obviously the dream is that you'd blend them so that you're kind of constantly interacting and engaging with them, but they have created enough Mm -hmm. experiences in each of those camps that if you wanted to only do one, you could almost hit all of the major franchises without needing to dip into the other one at all. True. Really. And I, and I will argue that a lot of the, especially Magic Kingdom rides that are like much slower are just like you just like flowing through something that's telling you a story like Mm -hmm. the Under the Sea Voyage of the Little Mermaid like that is very much like it's almost like a memory of a show of a ride you know Mm -hmm. there's not people acting their animatronics but it really almost is presenting itself as a show you just happen to be like slowly moving through it yeah you know yeah, it is It is kind of a marriage. And that actually, as I was thinking about that, and as you're talking now, a question kind of comes to mind to me, which is like, is intellectual property, this might be getting too deep for our podcast, I don't know, we're just, <laughs> just springing this question on you. But it's like, is, is intellectual property better suited to attractions or to shows, do you think? Ooh, I mean, I think it depends on the person. But like, I, yeah. if I'm gonna, if you're like, Lish, like pick your favorite character and like what are you going to build them in Disney? It's going to me, it's going to be a ride like yeah. 99% mm. of the time because that's how I enjoy like yeah. the immersive Disney experience. Like that's yeah. why like I am so, so excited for this like Splash Mountain revamp mm. because it's one of my favorite Disney movies and it's like told in a ride that I like love. So it's like yes. perfect for me. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's that's how I prefer yeah. to relate. Yeah, to that's how you prefer. Absolutely. I think that makes sense. It's this question kind of comes from obviously our differences in terms of Disney World, but also Joe Rody, my like Disney idol. Uh he was like one of the lead imagineers at Disney World for those people who do not know. He retired, I think it was it last year. He officially retired yeah, or the year before. Recently. He yeah. was responsible for Animal Kingdom. Like that was kind of his, <sighs> I would say, Bless biggest him. claim to fame, which Lish yeah. loves. Um, but he re- he's been posting a lot of really interesting content on Instagram lately where he's talking about intellectual property because mm-hmm. you get you get the sense very quickly that Joe Rody's opinion on intellectual property is pretty low. Like he wanted mm. Animal Kingdom, for example, to kind of be devoid of intellectual property. Like the Lion King mm, was a concession. Yeah, he yeah. like he did he wanted Animal Kingdom to be all about sustainability, conservation. Like he wanted Disney to have mm-hmm. 
to start a conversation around those bigger issues. And he hoped to help design an experience and a park that made people interested in those things without needing to rely on other things. And he, I think it was just the other week, he posted this big, long thing kind of about how intellectual property is only effective when the experience you design tugs on something that people are already feeling. So um, yeah, it was an interesting conversation for me because I'm like, if the Disney parade was just dancers and just music and there were no Disney characters, like, would I care about the parade? Probably not. No. I probably no, wouldn't care at all. you can go to Universal and you can see a parade that's got like a big blow up SpongeBob and <laughs> you're not going to feel anything. Yeah. So. I'm not going to feel anything. Yeah. yeah truer, <laughs> truer words have never been spoken. SpongeBob round pants. I just, I don't feel yeah. a thing, you know? Uh yeah, it was it's just an interesting question. And I I have also as I've been diving into these questions as well and thinking about, you know, rides versus entertainment and kind of all of that, I also found myself realizing today, this is the big revelation. I was telling you, I teased you mm. with, with this earlier. This yeah, is my big revelation. Is that what I actually feel is missing in both Disney entertainment and attractions is I don't I'm, I'm using big dramatic hand gestures here. No one can tell except for you that I'm doing this, but uh <laughs> What I feel is missing in both of these pieces of the park experience is an opportunity to actually like get to know the characters. Like you and I care so mm-hmm. deeply about, you know, things like giving each character traits that we feel we can relate to and talking about like who we most identify with and what does mm-hmm. that mean and what might that look like in people. And I just feel like too often Disney is just showing us little vignettes of a story, but I don't get to actually right. experience the story. Like even what you were saying with the aerial ride where it's like, we're kind of just sitting there in a shell and like watching it happen in front of us instead of like being in it. And I think right. that's, maybe one of my biggest criticisms of like a parade like if you had to ask me to tear festival of fantasy apart my biggest issue would just be that you're only showing me one idea of like who bell and the beast are you're showing me her in her dress bowing and that's it that's kind of like if that's the only exposure you get to the character but i know there's so much more there and i think because entertainment and shows tends to have more time with the characters. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to that because I want to know more about them or see so, more. So, so question for you then: What do you prefer? Do you prefer them to kind of retell the story that's already told in the characters' movie, or do you want to see something brand new? I want something brand new because the Beauty and the Beast show. My issue with it is it's basically like just like a watered down version I of know, the movie. I know. I am a walking contradiction. I know. Whereas you look at something like Festival of the Lion King and they had to get creative and kind of like, it's still kind of the same general story, but the experience to me is completely different and original and they break it into teams and like, you're the elephant side. And it's just like, I don't know. It's a very different experience than just like watching the Lion King. Yes. I think that's a great point. And I would say that my what my heart wrenching share vulnerability, you know, my vulnerable but brave uh, thing that I just shared does not apply, of course, to my really weird love of the Beauty and the Beast show, because I agree it is the Beauty and the Beast show. Honestly, one of the things that astounds me most about it, I love the costumes in it and I really like Mm -hmm. the choreography. I think it's tight. I think that it's just a well put together theme park show. So. you're right. It does not hit on what I feel is missing overall. So it is kind of an outlier for me, but 
you get that's into, totally fine. You're gonna have yeah. like nostalgic things that you just like you like them because you like them, and yeah, it is like what it is. but if you this- were gonna make something for a character, like you're gonna make a Moana attraction, Curbs. Like, yes. what are you doing with that? I mean, honestly, I think it would be something bigger, like Fantasyland. Like what they did with Fantasyland is kind of what I want to see for ideally every character. I would love Disneyland to be right. as big as Chicago. Like I would really love for it to just be this huge <laughs> yeah. ass place where I've got to get on a train, like a real train, not just the monorail, like bless the monorail, like keep your hands and arms inside at all times. Like I bless that. But I really like in Fantasyland, if we're using Beauty and the Beast again as an example, because she's mm-hmm. like Belle is so prevalent there now with Be Our Guest and everything, but yeah. they built a restaurant. Then they built Gaston's Tavern. They built Maurice's popcorn cart. They have that little shop that she might have gone into. They created like her world. Like you're physically standing mm. in it, yeah. which to me makes the difference. It allows these kind of attractions that might be more of a arm's length. It allows me to imagine yeah. what she felt like being in you know, her town or whatever. It's basically what Universal had the like ability to do with Harry Potter because yes. it's just like one big world that they created. And it's why it's like, we will always have to like go there, even if it's just for that, because it mm-hmm. fully immerses you in yes. that land. And because Disney has so many things it's trying to do, it's hard. Yes. You can't touch on every character. Yes. Fortunately. Exactly. And I mean, I'm lucky that I really like Beauty and the Beast and Belle in Mm -hmm. particular because she is so prevalent in Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can meet her in France as well. Like she's kind of everywhere. She is one of those quintessential princesses. It's like her, like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty in Disney parks. Those three are kind Mm -hmm. of like the princesses for a lot of people. But even now, just like thinking of the first time I walked through Fantasyland, you know, obviously I'm obsessed with Gaston's Tavern and the fact that there's a statue of him. But part of me was like, what if Belle just walked out of like that corner over there? Like, what if she just came around mm-hmm. the corner? Like, she would look like she belongs there. Fits. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what appeals to me always more about entertainment, because even if a parade is, yeah, I have an issue with them showing me just one part of a character, but they're interacting with other characters from other stories Mm -hmm. that then gets my imagination going on like a, oh my goodness, like what if, what if they were friends? Like what, like what if, what if these stories actually collided? What would that look like? And I think that that's such a interesting and exciting thing that they offer me as a guest that I'm just like kind Mm -hmm. of doing on my own. Without them having I feel to like, like this do is anything. really the direction that they've moved in over the past number of years that yeah. continue to go. Like, like you said, with that fantasy land update, they didn't just like give Ariel a ride, like they gave her like a grotto and a little mm-hmm. section. And you know, same with Beauty and the Beast and like same with Snow White. They kind of they the vibe all around just like is that movie, is mm-hmm. that character? And like with all the updates they've done, it's not just usually it's not just a ride it's that yeah franchise is getting a land like the yeah. avatar land toy story land yeah you know like that's just like the star wars land it's definitely like a theme they're not just doing like little bits of something here and there they're just fully committing to that to fully immerse you in it yeah so maybe what we're really discovering and what we're getting at here is that shows and rides need to exist in relationship for it to be really mm-hmm. successful. Like that that seems to be 
like you said, kind of where Disney's going and what makes it stand apart. And that's what, like you mentioned with Harry Potter world, that's what made that part of universal so good is because they were Mm -hmm. able to marry those two things together in a way that was truly transformative for us as guests. It wasn't just like, and now to my left, there is a Shrek thing. And then over here is SpongeBob, like you said, because, you know, let's just rip on Universal for a second. But uh, (laughs) yeah, like maybe so maybe what we're learning is that just like you and I, Lish, we are two sides of a coin. So are attractions (laughs) and entertainment. But I would like us to end this lovely discussion with just like who, who would we want to see more of in attractions and entertainment? Like if we're talking about building out worlds or kind of more Mm -hmm. intentionally rooting attractions in environments and stuff like that like who would you want to see more of personally like princess specific yeah let's stick with the gals because that's kind of who we're talking about but like what princess would you love to see more of and it doesn't even need to be a specific what that would look like I'm just curious like who would you want more of um Hmm, that's interesting. Like Tiana's the first one that comes to my mind, mm-hmm. but she is getting, we'll have to see what that kind of splash mountain overhaul looks like and how yeah. they do that. Um, yeah. After that, I mean, I feel like the next one for me was probably Moana. And I mm-hmm. know they're really kind of wrapping her into the Polynesian resort and a bunch of stuff there, but she yeah. really doesn't have anything specifically at disney world that i can think of yeah like in the parks themselves yeah so would love to see something for her like i Mm -hmm. like a ride a section something yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i would man it's when i was asking myself this question you know as i typed up my three notes into this shared google doc that we have (laughs) i was thinking like how would i answer this question and i mean the first thing that came to mind uh, was just that I don't need any more Frozen. And there's a number of reasons for that. I love Frozen, as we all know by now. But I think Frozen 1 and 2 as films, they told us everything we need to know about the characters. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they've really just... I don't have any questions. Like, I don't need to exist right. in their world because they've wrapped that all up. And also, like, if you give me one more thing that's related to Frozen 1 without showing Frozen 2, like, I will jump off the building. I will. <laughs> I will I will climb up the top of the castle, the 200-foot castle yeah. in where was that Shanghai. I will jump right off. Absolutely. It's not just I also feel I also feel with Frozen like they very much have a season like Mm -hmm. the like Christmas stuff like I'm very fine with Frozen being kind of wrapped into that. Mm -hmm. And I think that always makes sense like we can really like, you know, put on the gas like come November, December and then kind of like pull off it and just leave it for that season. If they can continue to do something like that, I'm here for that. You're okay with it. I would kind of love to see more Merida, actually, I think. If I think this through, I... And the reason for that is I think that her story and, like, the tone and the vibe would add a really rich texture to an experience at a park like Hollywood Studios. Like, so we have, like, that Toy Story land, which is obviously very Pixar-oriented, and Hollywood Studios seems to be the place where it would fit the best. But I feel like she could actually be a cool transition between like Galaxy's Edge and something like Toy Story Land because she's dark and she's moody right. and she could be intense with but she's also like a Pixar movie. So it's you know yeah. what I mean? Like I could see Galaxy's Edge kind of like transitioning how it does an Animal Kingdom where it goes from like beautiful jungles and then all of a sudden we're deep into Pandora, like that's kind of general mm-hmm. transition. I could see Galaxy's yeah. Edge kind of going into almost like deserty 
rocks and then all of a sudden we're like in a lush forest with like her castle like i could see right. that type of transition happening without it feeling super weird and i think that more do is terrifying so like we could do something really intense like dinosaur ride style with yeah, him or something yeah i think she could have a she could have a pretty good ride i do yeah. love the way like her like meet and greet area is set up like it's separate mm. from the other princesses, she's got her own little zone. Yeah. And like even what they've done with that little space looks very – like that's why I didn't say her because there's that certain part of Magic Kingdom that gives me mm -hmm. like the Merida feels. Yeah. I would not be opposed to more of that, obviously. <laughs> Give me all yes. the Merida feels. Yes. I mean the other one that comes to mind – for me that I would love to see more of. And I, I don't, she's not officially part of the lineup and she's not part of our first season, but like a Raya section would be unbelievable. Give me like mm. a big old section animal in kingdom. animal kingdom that yeah. is like those different lands. And like, yeah. you could even do like another, not that they need to repeat it, but like, because my brain is just not that creative at this very moment. If they did another flight of passage style thing where you're riding a tuk-tuk, and like going around, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I would be yeah. so into that. 100%. Yeah, me too. On yeah. Board. I think like overall, we both kind of agree that attractions and entertainment have to exist together to be the most effective. But, 100%. But the way that they use intellectual property is dramatically different while still being so closely tied together that you just you can't have one without the other at a place like Disney yeah. when they're trying to immerse you so deeply in an experience. And I also like, you know, I'm being, I'm being hard on shows, but I, I do, there's quite a few of them that I enjoy. I just like to see like some kind of creative twist. Like don't show me like a shorter version of the movie. Like give me something new to experience, whether okay. it's like how you get the audience involved. Like it's not there anymore. But when I went to Disney World for the first time, there was like this Tarzan rollerblading yes! show. Oh in my Animal goodness. Yes. And it was so good. Like oh, it was just it like was. acrobatic and whatever. Okay. Just like, you know, just put put a put a twist on it. That's all I'm yeah. asking. I'll call up Bob, Bob Shapik. I'll call him up right oh. now and get him on the horn and I will get that show brought back. If that means we can go to a show together, I will do everything. I will move heaven and earth <laughs> to make that happen. If you're looking for more shenanigans like these, please make sure to subscribe to the Scenario D podcast wherever you love to listen. Better yet, why not rate us? Those stars go a long way. And don't forget to catch us on Instagram at Scenario D podcast. You are going to love the magic we're making there. Mm -hmm.